has the best dance in a slasher movie? Jimbo <laughs> from Friday 13 Part 4 or Jesse when he's cleaning up his room? I have to say Jesse because there's a lot more pizzazz there. Oh, yeah, it goes to Jesse. He put glasses on, a hat, right there. he's getting into it. Yeah. And the big finish with the pop gun. Yeah. 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 But that's a, that's another not so subtle one right there. The, the yeah, house. I guess. <laughs> she enjoyed it. She walked in on it. I mean, she, she, knew was, she was like, all right, maybe later. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, who is doing this to you? Fred Krueger. Yeah, my parents just bought a place on Elm Street. Elm Street? You tell me you moved into that big white house with the bars in the window? Yeah, what about it? Shit, you can tell your old man he's a real chump. What are you talking about now, Grady? Some chick was locked in there by her mother and she went crazy. She watched her boyfriend get butchered across the street by some maniac. Street, by some maniac. Hi, I'm Candy, the final girl. You are all my children now. <laughs> and I'm Shaun of the Dead. Go ahead, Jesse. Try it on for size. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight, we are talking about Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, the 1985 film that is infamous in the horror world. Um, we're really excited to talk about it for our finale. We have Mac the All-Star. Are you going to the party? Mm-mm. Why? Grounded. I threw my grandmother down a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> we have Erica Wright. He's inside me, and he wants to take me again. <laughs> Dave German. Daddy can't help you now. <laughs> Rob, the cinema drunkie, Antiqueta. Yeah, and she's female, and she's waiting for you in the cabana, and you want to sleep with me. <laughs> and we have a special guest tonight. We have Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hey there. How are you? I'm glad to be here. Uh, so I have my quote, uh... Hey, Grady, do you remember your dreams? Only the wet ones. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, uh, I'm a professor of cinema at uh, University of Colorado, Denver, uh, and as part of a documentary called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, which is about the making of this film. So uh, I'm glad to be on with you guys to, to talk about it. And it's kind of strange place within the franchise. Uh, I guess I've been curious to see um, how many people encountered this um, kind of like when it when it came out and when did you encounter it? Was it part of the Freddy franchise or did you encounter it later on uh, as part of the controversy around it? I'll take that one first. Um, for me, um, my mother was such a horror fan that, um, of course, I was raised in 80s horror and I was a big fan and so was my mother of the first film. When this film came out, she... And we talked about this with Halloween 3. She trained me to hate this film because it wasn't loyal to the, the formula of Freddy. It didn't make sense. And I never really hated it 
Um, and I had to revisit it, you know, my teens and then now in my 40s um, and other times in between. Um, my brothers are gay and I am queer. And so it's just like it's so huge in the gay horror community. And it's so iconic. You know, we got our first male scream queen. Yeah. And, you know, I just I love it. And I, I'll explain a little bit later after everybody else talks as to where I consider this to be in that franchise. Mm. So we've talked at length in past episodes about the relationship my father and I had, and he got me into horror um, at a very young age. I was probably eight years old and um, much to my mother's chagrin. And this was one of those those early films that, that we got our hands on and I watched. And I love this film. I have always loved this film. And I don't know what it is about this film. There's a lot of nostalgia behind it every time I watch it. Um, being as young as I was, maybe 10 or 11 when I first saw it, had no idea about any of the you know gay, homosexual undertones uh, anything like that. It was just a, a fun ride. Um, and, and one of the early films that really got me into my love for special effects, uh, mm. which we'll definitely get into a little bit later. Yeah, no, it definitely has a lot in there that sort of that the body kind of opening and emerging is it's, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Matt. So for me, like, uh, obviously, the whole panel knows I'm more of an action guy. I'm not really a horror guy. I'm like an add to the show as a per right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, Freddy and like movies like that, my brother down here, Cinema Drunkie Rob, he's always put me on to. And I never found Freddy scary. I found him cool because of his quick witted remarks, right. even though he, he does some wild things. But, you know, <laughs> and with um, the doc, I was watching it for the purpose of this discussion and um, I came home from work. I threw it on. Me and my wife are watching and there's a lot of times through the doc where I'm like, wow, wow, okay, okay, opening my eyes to things I didn't obviously register as a younger uh, person, but now as an adult and then you go back and watch it, you're like, ah, all right, I get what right. you're saying. Right, absolutely. That's why I really thought it was important to pair the two for this discussion. Mm hmm Erica. So, yeah, people who are regular listeners to this podcast know I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies for quite a while because my parents were very conservative Christians and wanted to shelter me from violence on screen and all that kind of stuff. But eventually I wheedled and cajoled until I, you know, they just gave up and started letting me watch R-rated horror films in my teens, like mid to late teens or so. I was obsessed with all of the Nightmare on Elm Street films, and I really did um, enjoy this particular entry in the series, even though um, maybe I was like slightly annoyed that they, ch you know, the writers, you know, changed the rules of how mm. Freddy victimizes people. Um, right. But I mean, it was pretty easy to forgive that. But because of my sheltered upbringing and the fact I was homeschooled and didn't have any gay friends, I mm. like most of the gay stuff went right over my head. With the exception of the coach, who was obviously right. like like a, a predatory homosexual, like the kind of guy that I was, you know, socialized to right. be afraid of, you know, as, as a very you know, like fundamentalist Christian, yeah. was, like the stereotype of everything we were supposed to avoid. Uh, but I mean, other than that, I like all of that stuff was like just completely oblivious to it. Um, I 
I took, you know, Jesse's uh, character and the other issues as just sort of gender-related as sort of an inversion of the final girl trope. I didn't mm-hmm. pick up on, um, I never thought Jesse himself might be gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, Rob. Yeah, so uh, let me be the first to say I was one of the, the, the few when I first saw this. Uh, I did hate it when I first saw it. Um, simply because, like what Erica stated, they did change the rules. And uh, I wasn't too into uh, Freddy possessing Jesse in order to kill kids in the real world. Uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street is my all-time favorite horror movie. Uh, it, that's my, my pride and joy. Like, yeah. I love that movie so much. So to see it like you know changed into something else is just like, uh, I'm I'm not feeling this at all, you know. I, but uh, over the years, um, my my outlook on it has changed to where it has become really high on you know the list of my favorite entries into the series. Like it, it really, I mean, number one will always be my favorite, but this one kind of keeps battling it out with part four for my mm-hmm. second favorite. I, I return to it a lot more often, one and two, than I do the other ones. I guess uh, I'll, I'll mention the elephant in the room. Uh, me and Candy did not see eye to eye on Nightmare on Elm Street 3. <laughs> and she, I she has forgiven you. It's yeah, okay. She, she has not forgiven me. But, um, I did. I let I, it go. But, I, no, I will say that another reason why my, my outlook on 3 has changed is because my love for this one has deepened. You know, because I just love how scary Freddy is, you know, like um, he's a he's a prankster, trickster. And the other ones, you know, particularly part three is four and five and uh, six. God, Uh, Freddy's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not even bother. (laughs) But like, I I love I love when Freddy's serious and scary. That's why I love uh, one, two and seven. those are just, I, I think, are the, are the best ones. And yeah, like I, I just love Freddy just so much in here. Like this, specifically the part where uh, he he comes to Jesse in the dream. It's the you've got the body and I've got the brain, and he rips the skin off his head. You know, and it's like what I love about Freddy is like that's a joke that's only funny to him. Right. You know? Yeah. Like only yeah. he finds that funny. You know, whereas in the in the other ones, it's kind of like. Uh, like you know, it's the the jokes are funny, but to us, you know, it's just like, to well, please the audience. Time, bitch. Yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> that, that's a joke for the audience, you know. Whereas you know, Freddie, like the shit he does in part one and two is only funny to to himself. Like when he cuts his own fingers off in part one, like you know, that's a joke he only finds funny because he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, like why the fuck did he do that? Yeah, because he's an asshole. Like you know, he thinks that shit is funny to, to, to psychologically fuck with him. Yeah, man. Yeah, but. Like, like, like I said, over the years, this has become like really one of my favorites. Like, I, I really go back and forth with which one are we gonna watch now, part one or part two? You know, and uh, I, I, I love this one so much. I'm so glad to hear that, uh, Dave. Well, so I'm. I have to confess, I have not seen this one before. Just the other day, watching it for the podcast. So, and I have watched the documentary that we're gonna talk about either. So I have not. I was a clean slate coming into this, and right away I knew there was something. There's something different about this one right away. It's got a different texture. It's uh, our protagonist is different. First of all, it's a guy, not a girl, like in the first one, and and um, he doesn't quite fit in, which I think we can all identify with. Um, 
And so as so the movie goes on, I kind of got it. And then after watching the documentary, it, it all, it, uh, this one is now, you know, maybe my favorite Freddy movie. Freddy's never been my f- favorite of the big three, Freddy, Jason, or Michael, I think I've mentioned. Um, <laughs> because he's so self-aware, I like, I, I prefer, mm-hmm. like Jason and Michael are more like forces of nature. They're right. doing sort of what they have to do. Where, where Freddy really, he's really, he's a dick. He enjoys what he's doing. <laughs> Um, he makes those jokes. That's why um, he is my favorite. <laughs> um, but this, this is, yeah, this is probably my favorite Freddy movie now, just because it was so different and it took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then after watching the documentary, it's, it's, it's so much more meaningful and impactful now, too. Yeah. This one's so much like a, a product of its time, you know, where the other films feel more universal in their, their scares. This one is so much about AIDS. It's so much about queer panic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like uh, unable to divorce it from its, its own moment. Yeah. And I didn't, and I didn't know that going in. And so that sort of yeah. development. And then now that I'm looking back on this is a great movie to watch for the second time yeah. after experiencing yeah, the first time. Cause you, you watch the documentary, you watch it again. Yeah. And it takes on a whole different, it, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. Hmm. And that leads um, into some stuff that I want to talk about. Um, Erica touched on it a little bit, but the gender politics in this, they're different. And um, I consider this film, like if you want a direct sequel to the first film, you've got to skip to three. Um, This is part of the Freddy universe, (laughs) which is like New Nightmare and uh, the movie that shall not be named. Freddy versus Jason. Look, I said it. Okay, guys. Look, I'm yeah. making progress. But yeah, it's in the universe. It's not bad yeah. like that. But you know, I do, I do like this film. But I, it doesn't, um, it doesn't play into the Freddy mythos. But the gender re- reverse is really great, and we didn't see that a lot in films, especially at that time, nor for a long time in horror, where mm-hmm. our protagonist is vulnerable mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, everything that usually our our final girl is. But instead, or our scream queen. But instead, it's a it's a it's a man. It's a boy, um, Jesse. And Jesse is a, the first male scream queen. And, and you know he's proud of that. And I really like how Mark Patton, you know, um, has taken that after you know kind of going through what he went through for a long time. And he came back for that Never Sleep Again documentary, which was really good. Uh, it's like four hours long, but it's really really good. And, but that got him back into, um, you know talking about um you know being able to talk about you know activism and what he went through and being a voice uh for you know gay horror subgenre which is huge and my brothers are gay and like um he's such an icon um along with you know Felissa Roses as well you know from Sleepaway Camp you know that that's huge in in like gay or queer horror and it's just like seeing what he does now and what I love 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 and they show it in uh the screen queen documentary is Mark Patton he's doing horror cons now again and uh he goes in there or I shouldn't say again he's doing them now because he wouldn't he's disappeared after everything mm-hmm. happened. but he goes in there and he says when when I go in there and I talk to fans I know that this is maybe their only encounter with me and I am what they pay for they want to be with Mark, the movie star, and I give that to them, you know, because this is maybe their only encounter, and it, it stays with them. And I wish everybody that I went to see at horror cons was like that, that had that mentality. And as we all know, we've all had our celebrity encounters that didn't maybe go so well, and uh, or you know, we wish we could do again, but we only sometimes have that one moment. And he said, yeah, that's what they pay for, and I give it to them. He <laughs> has it down. He knows what to do, and. Um, 
it, it's just amazing. He's a very inspirational guy. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, I love what he said that in the in the in the documentary that he said, yeah, this is maybe their only chance to meet me, and I I, I just love that that he said that. It's beautiful. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Mac. You know, <clears throat> about to sound like someone who I guess the young generation would say isn't woke, but uh, I never put the LGBT community into horror because growing up, horror has always been the female trying to save for her life. And, you know, after watching the doc and then going back to the movie, it definitely opened up as a new light. Like, I, I can see it now. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know if that came out right, but I can yeah. see that that yeah. community like they anybody could put out good horror if uh, they do their homework and do what they got to do. You know, mm-hmm. Andrew, I'd like to hear from you on this. Well, you know, I uh, I was able to be on the road with Mark when the film premiered, and we um, and kind of going through a couple of different cities and film festivals, and it's really interesting kind of seeing him interact with fans because for a long time this film was a burden on him. You know, it it essentially ended his career because here he is, this closeted gay guy in Hollywood, and in a time where you had to get a blood test to get a role in a in a soap opera, right? Um, and so when this came out, all the sort of suggestions about the film it it really blackballed him and he quit his career and so to see him kind of take this thing which was what such a burden on him and to make it into something kind of proactive that he could you know connect with fans it's it's, it was really kind of rewarding experience for me i I really was happy to be part of it yeah that's awesome yeah (laughs) it's it's so amazing like i he's on my top list of like people I want to meet you know at a con so I'm hoping he comes you know Whorehound one of the big five cons comes through uh, where we live in Indy so I'm um, hoping you know sometime I'll get to meet him yeah, but if not I'll travel I'll do <laughs> uh, Rob so I mean I know I talked about this before um, one of the things that I love the most about the Nightmare on Street franchise is that the the, the kids within the the franchise like you know unfortunately the victims are really like outsiders mm-hmm. you know nancy like she's really part of the, like you know she seems popular but she slowly becomes an outsider um jesse's an outsider of course uh the kids from part three they're they're uh, you know the epitome of outsiders you know mm-hmm. the alice is an outsider you know but Jesse probably is the ultimate outsider, you know, and I think that the subtext of the film reflects that because of, you know, all that, you know, especially, you know, considering everything he went through, you know, so like, I, I, you have to say that Jesse's the quintessential Friday, um, Friday, my bad, uh, nightmare, uh, <laughs> nightmare person, you know, nightmare, um, the final guy, if you will, in, in this case, and, and just... I mean that's that's like you know something I I came I realized later as a uh, I went through the franchise over and over and over again because I constantly watch these movies and then you know you realize that and then it's like wow you know this is why you gravitate toward these kids so much you know because they reflect you like you resonate with them best mm. because of you know like you know in the horror community a lot of us feel like outsiders you know and that's why we gravitate toward them the most and you know, Jesse's the, like the, the quintessential version of of the outsider because of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wanted to point that out. Um, that's 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 why I 
particularly love this film and the franchise on on a whole. That's a good point, um, Erica. Got to meet Mark Patton um, a couple times. One was in 2014, and then a few years later, I think 2017 or 2018. But I did pick up a copy of his book, Jesse's Lost Diaries, or Jesse's Lost Journal, and it's autographed. Oh, nice. Uh, it's, it's a pretty cool book. Like um, I was kind of surprised when I read it that you know maybe a third of it covers the events of the film with some of his own commentary on the, the subtext written from the point of view of that character. But then near the end of the book, it, it takes a very meta twist, kind of like Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which I won't spoil too much, but that was a little surprising to read. But um, definitely cool and check it out if you get to meet him or can buy a copy. Mm. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Definitely. Also, just wanted to say he is a super nice guy with his fans. One of the nicest celebrities uh, I've met. Wow. That's so great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, Andrew. Yeah, I, I was curious um, to get your guys' thoughts on like the how we place this even within the slasher genre because I think it's a very odd slasher film. Um, you know, I, I, Jesse is a, a final boy in a lot of ways, but I think he's one of the few like monster protagonists that we get, you know, in the genre. And I actually think this film is riffing on Psycho a little bit, and I think it's riffing on Carrie a lot. Even that final sequence with um, the the cookout feels like the carry prom scene you know and i think we have the same sort of like ambivalence towards his character where he's like he has power right if he wants it and he gets that power he's able to attack this man who's um you know about to rape him and we're kind of on his side we kind of want jesse or we want jesse slash freddie to kill this guy yeah. um, just like we want carrie to get revenge on her classmates i'm curious to get you guys mm-hmm. thoughts on the genre combination at work you know, I agree with that, but also, you know, when Sean and I uh, were talking about it last night, uh, we were talking more like a possession mm-hmm. and also kind yeah, of fit what into I was that. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a possession type film. It's that's where it, you know, it's so different from the typical Freddy mythos. You know, that's mm-hmm. why I have to consider it part of the expanded universe. Right. I like film like on its own. Yeah. You know, because it's a little different. You know, Freddy mm-hmm. doesn't work that way in the other films. And it really pissed off people. This this yes. movie pissed off a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think, you know, in the end, just sort of like what we had with Halloween 3, like everybody fucking hated this film. But in the last, you know, six, seven years, finally everybody's like, you know, actually, I love it. I just, <laughs> you know, no one wants to admit it. Because <laughs> you know, now the, 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 the gay stigma is not a stigma like it used to be. Right. You know, there's so much more acceptance and growth in the world. And, um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, obviously I grew up with my brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're twins. They're gay. And I've always known they were gay. They played dress up with me and makeup and stuff like that. And so when they came out as gay, I was like, so what else is new? I mean, but, you know, but then it wasn't until later that, you know, we, we you know, because they love horror like I do, especially my brother Daniel. And he was just like, oh, my God, Jesse was like my favorite. And I really looked up to him because he knew he was gay, but he didn't tell anybody, you know. And he was just like, I really looked up to this character because it, it I felt represented. I felt like you know, I could be a horror fan and be into this stuff. And, you know, it was somebody that was just really groundbreaking. And mm-hmm. and I think now that it's finally getting that kind of notice and and applause for that. And, you know, there's all the, the gay horror community, which is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's horror drag. 
shows uh, that are just, yeah, all these horror fans that do these these really great drag things. You know, it's like, it's, it's this huge thing. It's like, we get to acknowledge that. We get to talk about that now. Yeah. It's not something we have to just hide and, and not speak about. So it was great to hear him say something like that to me. It wasn't until like many, many years later that he did. And I'm like, I really wish he would have said that at the time, but I understand why the times were different. Right. You know? Well, you know, I, sorry. If I could just, you know, chime in on that. Um, When we, we rewatched this last night and when we talked about it and we talked about, you know, the possession, you know, type thing. And I definitely do see the similarities that you pointed out with, uh, with, you know, Carrie and the prom scene and all that and, and with the barbecue and, um, one of my favorite scenes is when he he jumps out, yeah. you know, there at the at the pool scene. Um, but the the film is very dark in okay. compared to all of the other nightmare films. Mm. And you know, everybody knows Freddie is like this, you know, the one liner, um, <laughs> you know, and and you know, you don't necessarily watch these films for the story or the plot. Um, you know, when I watch a, a Friday the Thirteenth film. I'm watching for the kills. There's like, no plot. <laughs> like, you know, the, and that's the beauty of these, of the slasher genre is that they, they come up with such unique ways to kill people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it came to, um, you know, the coach and mm-hmm. the, the shower scene and everything, like, yeah, I wanted to see that guy get killed. Right. And as cheesy as it was, you know, with the snap towels and, you the know, balls. And, and, the balls, and the balls, the scene, the scene where the, where the steam kind of fades away and it shows Jesse standing there with that, that glove on his hand and, and you see the look on his face. And at first he, you know, he almost has like that, that malicious look on his face but then he looks down and he sees the glove and he lets out that fucking horrendous scream you know <laughs> that, that he does throughout the film and man can just, he scream he yeah can scream yeah. Like, man that was a great scream and then and then one of my other favorite scenes is um in the the bedroom uh when he sees freddie in the mirror <laughs> and and freddie's kind of you know mimicking him at first and then he starts mocking him you know, and then he throws the glove, the mirror, and shatters the mirror, and Freddie's just doing that that laugh and everything. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Erica. Yeah. So, um, with some of the some of the scenes that I actually found annoying before, now I find them kind of humorous. Like uh, now, I kind of take them as sort of a mockery of middle class suburban life. You know, like the exploding parakeets. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I love the exploding parakeets. Yeah, the stuff skipped. Yeah, the stuff that happens at the barbecue, like, I Mm. I still think some of that, you know, maybe could have been done differently and to make it scarier, but it's funny, yeah, like, and now I do find that, that particular moment with the coach where all the balls are smacking them, it's like, okay, yeah, now I get it, now I get it, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, maybe they could have left the exploding parakeets out, that's still silly. (laughs) I love that part. Still, I'm just like, no. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of in-jokes, I think, in this film. Um, when you look at the kitchen, um, those kind of copper, I don't know, like molds that you use for baking sometimes. Yeah, it's, literally, it's literally a cock and balls. Um, yeah. on the um, which I think is hilarious. When they open the closet, there's a board game probe in there. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, like, funny in-jokes in this movie. Well, the, the cereal, too. Fu Manchu. Fu Manchu. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So here I go sounding like a non-horror fan, but to answer your question that you put out there, for me, this movie checks a lot of boxes. I like movies that uh, play with the, the mind. Check. I like people getting slashed up. I like seeing blood. Check. Um, I like seeing people die. Like, like even if, and Sean touched on it, you know, however many different ways can you kill somebody, but Freddie, yeah, he might just be slicing them up, but he makes it look good. And uh, so... He enjoys it. Exactly. So this would just fall for me in like a slasher type movie. Yeah, there is some mental stuff in there, which is, made it better, but for me, it's a slasher all day. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, Rob? Okay, I just wanted to throw this out there because I asked because this has been sitting on my mind for the longest, and uh, now that we're all here, we can finally, I can finally ask this question. We could put this to, to the test. Uh-oh. Who, who has the best dance in a slasher movie? Jimbo <laughs> from Friday Thirteen Part Four or Jesse when he's cleaning up his room? I have to say Jesse because That's there's a lot more pizzazz there. Oh, yeah, it goes to Jesse. He put glasses on, a hat, right there. He was getting into it. Yeah, and the big finish with the pop gun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had one of those. I had one of those when I was a little kid. The little that's little a, pop guns. Love it. Another... like that, though, is the question. But Ooh. that's a, that's another not so subtle one right there. The, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> she enjoyed it. She walked in on it. I mean, she, she, was, was she was like, "All right, maybe later." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like, I always wanted a pair of those lightning bolt sunglasses. Yeah, glasses right? <laughs> are dope, but like that 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 one has always like I like I've, the butt where he's doing the butt on the drawer. Kind of like twerking and like an early form of twerk on the mm-hmm. on the. <laughs> yeah, that, you could say that Jesse was the first twerker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pre-twerking. No, but that, yeah, that that has always been on my mind because I can I can't choose between who had it's, the best dance. And then there's also the Ed Harris from Creep Show. Creep Show, yeah. So we got those three like. Oh like, yes. I have to say Jesse has the most pizzazz. Yeah, yeah. Jesse's one. Jesse's one for sure. Yeah, Apparently, yeah. Um, they wanted him to do a kind of like risky business thing uh, for this thing. Like that's how they described it. He's like, I, I'll do this, you know. Um, and and he then that's sort of what he uh, he gave them that version of Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, nice. well, you know what? Which is pretty funny given, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave. Uh, we were talking about um, uh, the the tropes that the riffs on like suburbia. The father. Oh. Um, and the mother to a lesser degree, but Clu- the great Clue Gulager as the father. Mm-hmm. Like, all this shit is going on around him. He's in total denial about that anything's wrong. <laughs> One of my first notes I took was the fact that the parents seemed completely unconcerned that their son wakes up screaming every morning. He's fine. What a scream. Like a blood-curdling scream. So that, that I think, looking back now... Uh, and like and also like when the house is getting really hot, he's like tapping on the thermostat. Oh, everything's fine. There's nothing wrong with this house. He's in complete denial. Right. He's, and and so if you look at the larger themes now, that's you know I think a lot of maybe uh, uh, gay people have experienced that their parents are just oh nothing's wrong, everything's fine, just pretending mm-hmm. that everything's fine. There's nothing to talk about. I, I got that from Clue Gulliver's performance. He wanted to like, know what like he was coming. on. Oh, yeah. who was the yeah. dealer? How do you even ask that question? Sorry right. to jump in there. What do you want? But who's the dealer? <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't tell who the dealer is, bro. Like, what? 
But no, no, Clint no, Gallagher was my father. That's the way my father would have been. He, he totally, <laughs> oh, everything's fine. What are you taking? You know, not, it could never be. That was my father, you know, <laughs> tapping on the thermostat, you know, when the house is burning down. Everything's fine. Everything's no fine. No one's ever asked because she was on the same shit I was. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wanted to uh, just talk about just really quick, um, sort of a plug in the midst of this show. Um, as you guys know, I love uh, makeup as much as horror. And I just released my first palette, which is the final girl palette, whatever. But um, the second one is coming out. Um, it's in the mail. It's going to be here soon. And I will have those out to sell. And it's the Scream Queen palette. And I have a color um, for Jesse. Jesse's yeah. in the Scream Queen palette. And uh, it's like a, what makes me think of Jesse is like sort of a bluish color, <laughs> like, you know, like that tropical shirt he was wearing at that part. Yep. So I did a color in that to represent Jesse. So he is the That's only awesome. male in my Scream Queen collection. But uh, yeah, so I honored him in that. Yeah. That's great. Jesse has a place. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever came across this, but um, apparently the uh, the second part of it, uh, the recent film, uh, Bill Hader's character is wearing the same shirt as Jesse. Uh, yes. And they kind of call back to that film. Um, and it's oh, revealed like at the end, yeah, that he was in love with Eddie. Yeah, yeah. and I really liked how they put that in there because um, put it made made an otherwise block film a little bit more interesting. Yeah, and it gave him like some character depth to it, you know what I mean? Right, absolutely. It fit, it fit. It's almost like Stephen <laughs> King did write it that way. Right. You know? Right. And and I was also uh yesterday years old when I found out that the, the high school <laughs> in this is the same high school that was in Karate Kid. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. I just a- accidentally stumbled upon a, a a comparison picture of the lockers that they're at and it's the it's the same school that they filmed karate kid we have we're a lot of us uh karate kid fans in here yes (laughs) no no argument there (laughs) cobra kai was fucking amazing cobra kai well so i was reading that um michael j fox um was considered for this role and i was wondering what you what What? What would you all? How would? How do you all think this movie would have been different if he? Had Michael J. Fox. Works? Well, I don't know, man. Yeah, I can't been, even imagine anybody but Mark Patton. Right. What, Very different. Like, would the subtext have come across? I'm trying to imagine that. Well, here's the thing: is I think that it would because if you if you, in this documentary, as you see, that Mark Patton is still very upset with David Chaskin because mm-hmm. David Chaskin yeah. was saying that the movie, because it was, you know, uh, got all the shit for being so gay, the gay nightmare on Elm Street. Um, they said that it was, he's, he always said it was because Mark Patton himself made it gay. Mm-hmm. And, but he turns out later on, he finally admits when Mark sits down with them that I wrote it gay. Right. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. written gay and he just played it the way I wrote it. Right. And he apologized because yeah. that really sat heavy on uh, apparently Mark's mind. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was glad I was I was glad at the that he got that that apology. Mm-hmm. I was glad that, you know, we kinda got to go through that experience um in Scream Queen yeah. with him. But it, I think that that does raise the question though. It it so it was written gay mm-hmm. and it was portrayed by a gay man, you know, mm-hmm. be it closeted or not. Right. But could that same you know, could that be Uh-oh. portrayed by a non-gay? Oh, you know what I'm saying? And and yeah. no, I don't. I don't think somebody like Michael J. Fox would have 
you know, would have done something. I think he was, wasn't he doing Teen Wolf? Yeah, about same, that time. Yeah. What I'm saying is that Teen Wolf, uh, Michael J. Fox? Because, <laughs> man, listen, Back to the Future, Teen Wolf. <laughs> I mean, it won't be what it is, but he might have put a little, like, it might have been something else. Right. Yeah. yeah, but I think we needed to have Mark Patton because we needed the movie to be what it is. You know? Yeah, I so mean, they made the right choice. I, I mean, if I could cut in for a second, yeah, like it's it, it sucks that like all the bullshit he had to go through, but <laughs> it had to be him. Yeah, yeah. like it, it to had be. to be him. Like you know, they also had uh, the John Stamos audition and Brad yeah. and all that, and that was like no, it had to be Mark. I, I yeah. can't see anybody else but Mark playing the role. <laughs> you know, it sucks that he had to go through the bullshit, but I, I can't see anybody other than him in the role. But, you know, I'm just so glad that now we've come full circle and he's getting the respect and and the applause that he deserves for that. And we're getting to hear his story. And he donates a lot of his money uh, that he earns, apparently, to uh, a lot of LGBTQ, uh, you know, causes and things like that. So it's just come to where it needed to be. And Mm -hmm. I hate it that he had to go through what he went through. I been through the journey myself and seen other people go through journeys not quite you know in the not in the you know public eye like that but just to finally come around and just be happy with who you are people know your story and mm-hmm. um everything is the way it's supposed to be mm-hmm. you know we have a happy ending to this right. and i and i think it's almost like trying to imagine somebody like Jackie Earl Haley playing Freddy Krueger you know <laughs> had to be Robert <laughs> Uh, or, no, didn't or, they hire? Didn't they hire like some extra to yeah, save money? I, I was just about to say that that uh, or or the fucking uh, yeah the uncharismatic extra that they hired because Robert Shea is a cheap motherfucker. <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, uh, good for Jack Shoulder for kind of getting the revenge though, putting him as the the bartender. Yeah. yeah. So I, I remember, yeah. I remember, <laughs> in the never uh, never sleep again when when. Uh, I forgot what role that Robert Shea wanted to play, and he and Jack Shoulder was like, "No, I need a good actor for that. I need a, a real actor for that." And, 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 and Robert Shea was like, "Fuck you, dude." <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like I I can't you know like other others have mentioned I can't imagine this movie without Mark Patton. But I think if they if they had cast you know, Michael J. Fox or someone else, I still think that gay uh, theme would have come through because it wasn't it wasn't just Mark Patton. Like a lot of people contributed to that theme: the writer, the director, Robert England, stroking you know Jesse's face, and apparently he was like rimming his lips with the claw in like one of the outtakes. With the yeah, of the dog. Like, yeah. like, like that's a very homoerotic choice, right. and even it kind of said that. Yeah, yeah it's like the makeup right. artist is like, it's going to look like you're blowing them or, or something like that. Um, it reminded me of this review that I saw years ago, and I, I can't remember who the reviewer was, so my apologies. But um, they were commenting on the fact that at, at the time, um, the the filmmakers were not acknowledging Nightmare 2 to, as a gay film. And they're... Right. They said, well, we didn't think it was that gay. And the reviewer said, it's like the people involved with Fiddler on the Roof saying, we didn't know it was that. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Well, I mean, to this day, the director, Jack Shoulder, still like denies that he knew that was a gay bar that they shot in, even though he scouted the location. Right. <laughs> 
some bullshit excuse if I remember correctly. Yeah. I gotta say something about Jack Shoulder. So, you know, he also directed Wishmaster 2, and that movie also kind of had a gay subtext. Interesting. And also broke the rules of the first film. Huh. Yeah, having having the villain have to to do different things. Yeah. Repeat. Uh, (laughs) He's got some preoccupations. Since we talked about the screenwriter, David Cheskin, kind of fessing up, I pulled the quote that he had about this. I'm curious to get you guys' thoughts. Um, He said, yes, there was certainly some intentional subtext, but it was intended to play homophobic rather than homoerotic. I thought about the demographics demographics for these types of films and tried to imagine what kinds of things would truly frighten them to the core. And scary dreams that make them even momentarily question their own sexuality seemed like a slam dunk to me. Hmm. Can I say fuck you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's how yes yes Seriously, you can fuck you but hasn't okay, his sorry. story changed like throughout oh, ever yeah. since his story has changed so much hasn't it yeah yeah i think he definitely i think they call him out on the documentary too they're like oh now that it's interesting to like talk about his queer subtext suddenly you right. and yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mark Bradden was really fucking pissed about that in the documentary yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. yeah yeah, I can totally, I can totally see this as a homophobic film. Like, I know there are different ways to interpret it, but the the predatory gym teachers, sure. you know, most obviously, like, no scary, you know, overtly gay guy who's um, gonna uh-huh. apparently rape a teenager who's supposed to be under his care as a teacher. Like, yeah. ew, just a lot of. It was a very deserved death scene, you know. <laughs> well, um, and and not the least of which. Period. Yeah, and it definitely says that like this can be cured, right, by the love of a good woman. Exactly. Yeah. Right? yeah. Heterosexuality. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. What conversion, <laughs> right? She was like aggressively pursuing him, like to the point where it was like, oh my god, back off. <laughs> <laughs> like if a guy pursued me that hard, I'd be like, Jesus yeah. Christ, I gotta no get my sex no, sister. <laughs> she was determined. She was like, I'm gonna get this guy. No matter what. Yeah, but that's why she broke down crying when he got up and was like, I'm out of here. Didn't even say nothing, put on the shoes and left. She cried. <laughs> Literally broke her heart that she could yeah. not change him. But, you know but what you I mean? know, she was trying so hard. Yeah. She really so hard. Had to give her A for effort, I guess. But yeah. when I mean, it gets to be overwhelming. Like, okay, you yeah. need to stop now. I mean, it may have been the first time she ever had somebody forehead deep in her breast before, too. So, bounce. <laughs> get up and bounce. I'm out. Later. <laughs> she doesn't even bounce. know. She doesn't even know that he left to be with his hot best friend, right? Right. <laughs> telling him, go back to the girl, bro. What are you doing? Why are you here wanting to sleep with me? I mean, how else can you interpret that? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that scene specifically, yeah. And, and yeah. while we're on that topic, can we discuss his uh, his leather comforter? I was like, what the fuck? Why? That is so tacky. I just thought it was some 80s shit. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, like, I was in the 80s, and I wasn't that fucking tacky. Oh, <laughs> the point where it's like, yeah, there's theory, but then there's taste, okay? Yeah. It's tacky. No. No. I mean, Go this- ahead, Rob. Sorry, Rob. Go ahead. No, it's all good. No, it's all good, because uh, you provided me a, a good segue, because I, I actually wanted to shout out Robert Rustler, the uh, Grady is probably my favorite character in the movie. The, I, yeah. I, I love I love Grady. Uh, he has all the best lines to me. Yes. He's like, and, and it's weird too because he starts off kind of like a schmuck, but he becomes like the the best friend. Yeah. 
and he and he's a he's a damn good friend too. You know, the, you know, he's like, uh, all right, dude, like, dude, go back to the chick. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but like, all right, all right, all right, you can stay here. You right. can stay here, even though he kind of fucks up and you know he lets him sleep. <laughs> And, and he pays the price. Why is up paying for it, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know he's begging Ferris, uh, Ferris Bueller's parents to come save him. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I love I love Robert Rustler in the, in, in the movie. Uh, I, I think he's great. Uh, I just wanted to shout him out real quick. Um, also, he's I know like an awesome guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a really nice guy. I was on a panel with him in LA, um, mm-hmm. and and really, really, really friendly. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. No, I, I I I also wanted to point out that uh, I know that he his audition for this was the, the same day as his um, last day on set of Weird Science, <laughs> and, and Robert Downey Jr. actually drove him to audition <laughs> the audition for this, nice. and uh, yeah, him and Robert Downey Jr. are still best friends to this day. Uh, oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is the godfather to his son. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah so. The, the, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. But uh, I just wanted to shout out Robert Rustler. I think he's great. Yeah. Um, he, he's he's absolutely hilarious, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I, he's my favorite character in the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that scene in the class where Jesse falls asleep and the snake. Just the just the look that you know Jesse when he flips him off. He looks like he's trying not to laugh, and he's just. <laughs> Yeah, like you know, say yeah, bro. You you put a fucking snake on me, but like, oh, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. One of those different kind of fuckies. Like, ah, man, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dave. Well, like uh, Andrew was saying, the connection to Carrie at the beginning, I thought that Robert Rustler's character was going to be the typical bully, mm. uh, and this was another way that this movie surprised me. As the, it, it, it uh. When they're doing the push-ups together, you see that they're starting to bond. And like, oh, that's that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting much more, the uh, you know, from Carrie, the uh, irredeemable bully. Yeah. And it was, and, and so that made his death so much more poignant. Mm. He died because he was compassionate to his friend mm. who was in need. Yeah. You know, his buddy comes over, hey, let me spend the night here. You know, hey, right, he fucks up because he lets him fall asleep. But you know, he didn't know the rules. Wouldn't be a right. pretty movie if somebody exactly. Did. exactly. But uh, but I thought that made this. That was another way that this movie surprised me. I was expecting mm-hmm. something, and I got something else, which was even better. And that yeah. made his death even more painful. Mm-hmm. Right. Can I can I just add to that that is probably one of the saddest deaths in the franchise mm-hmm. because of Jesse's reaction to it. Yeah. You know, he's like, "You bastard! Mm-hmm. You killed him!" And he's, you know, he's bawling, he's in tears. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you really get the the gist of their friendship right there. You know, now mm-hmm. it's absolutely destroyed that you know he he watched his basically his best friend at this point, you know, mm. he, he just watched him die and it's kind of by his own hand. So it's basically like, you made me kill my best friend. Right. So it, it, it's just so heartbreaking to, you know, to watch it, you know, and just, I just wanted to add what the Dave was saying. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump in here and surprisingly it's me this time. I want to talk about <laughs> special effects. Yes. Um, yeah. Jesse's, uh, the, when he, he kills, uh, Grady, it was actually supposed to be like a lot more gory mm. and so on and so forth, but like the budget constraints mm. were re- really tight on that. So we had a couple really cool special effects. Like I love when Freddy comes out of Jesse's, you know, body. Mm-hmm. Like that's cool. Even though like, you know, it's pretty obvious, like it wasn't like super life. Like it just still <laughs> was a really cool concept mm-hmm. and it, it looks really awesome. You know, have fun with that look. Um, and, you know, we did have a little bit of gore, but not, like, the gore we should have had. 
in a Freddy film. Like, because you, you got to think we, we're going from part one to this. In part one, we've got the infamous Tina kill where he slashes her and she's all fucking up, up the ceiling and, you know, and, or Glenn dies and there's gushes of blood and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very tame on the effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they spent it all in on doing sort of the Freddy stuff, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like where he's pulling off and showing the brain and yeah, you know, some of that stuff. Animatronic work. Yeah. Um, you know, this we Mark Showstrom, you know, had a hand in this. We've talked about him in for several films that we've done. Um, and, you know, the the chest cavity scene, you know, where, where he comes out when, when Freddy's birthed, um, you know, out of his chest and everything. I love that because you get they, they do the 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 various cuts back and forth where, you know, in one scene, it's Jesse with, you know, a, a animatronic Freddy coming out. And then it cuts away, and when it cuts back, it's an animatronic Jesse with Robert England, you know, coming out. And mm-hmm. I love how they do that. You know, it's that whole we've talked about Tom Savini and the smoke and mirrors and everything. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, you know, being a special effects artist, you are a master of illusions. Mm-hmm. You know, you are you are uh, uh, playing the, the smoke and mirrors game to um, misdirect people, you know, and <laughs> I think that's what creates, you know, these these great effects. Um, one of my favorite things, and it's it's so brief, but when Jesse opens his mouth and you see Freddie's eye, yeah, in the mouth, <laughs> I love that. And, it, and it's so brief, and it's and it really, I mean, it's kind of a cheesy effect. It's not really anything you know to write home about, but it's just <laughs> it happens so quick, and it's I don't know, it's I love fun. it. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, Erica. Yeah, so I was just gonna say that while this film is not as bloody as the original, it more than makes up for it in weirdness in the yeah. special effects and the dream sequences. Like one of my, this has one of my favorite uh, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise dream sequences, which is the school bus scene in the beginning. <laughs> it's just, it's just so flipping weird. And I like, I've had dreams like that, so it's relatable <laughs> to me. Like I've had chronic nightmares and they're always way over the top just bizarre like that so like that was right up my alley <laughs> it's like balanced on that yeah <laughs> these little you know piles of rocks that are crumbling and it's like <laughs> oh. that was just i thought that was like a badass sequence i i still think they could have left the parakeets out but um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah i still yeah there's a, a lot of cool sequences in this <laughs> and I, I it's still from that era where it, everything was done with practical effects and, and I'm glad of that. I'm yeah. not a fan yeah. of CGI and horror at all. See, I, I think that the uh, the parakeets in this kind of rank up there with in four with Kincaid's dog piss and fire. <laughs> oh, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, really? Okay. Yeah, that was a weird moment. But yeah, we'll have to talk about that when we get to the four and five episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, Matt. So talking about that, uh, the the pet bird scene, it takes it back to what Dave was saying, like the cluelessness of the father and even the mom, like some weird shit just happened. The bird literally exploded. And to him is you did it with an M80. Put it in there. I, I know he did it. Like, really? Like, I mean, I don't know what I would do if I seen some shit like that. But I would think I would be like, uh Let's go get a hotel and figure out what we're going to do in the morning. <laughs> like, no shit. We can't stay. <laughs> Too bad we can't stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, 
I think it's interesting too that they, you know, as we've we've talked about this, you know, it's kind of like a Freddy possession film. Yeah. And so they give you this feel that like the house is haunted, right? Mm-hmm. All these fucked up things happen that with the heat and the birds and you know, one point the toaster catches on fire and all this stuff. And it's and, not even plugged mm-hmm. in. And the dad's like, Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. No, yeah, oh. stop, that's it. Yeah. No big deal. But it's you know, it, it makes me think and we, we discussed this last night. The house is such a cornerstone to this mm-hmm. franchise, mm-hmm. and you know it, it's home base. It, yeah, it's his home base, mm-hmm. and it's you know you see it whether you don't whether we visit it or not in subsequent films. There's a, a little girl drawing it, or mm-hmm. you know there you know I mean there's it, it's involved in almost every um, movie in this franchise, and you know to think that you know if Freddie can possess your dreams. Or you know, get into your dreams. Why couldn't he, you know, get into your your toaster? <laughs> no, and my thoughts to add on to that when we were having the discussion last night was, um, you know, in the first film, Nancy's mom takes Nancy down to the basement, and in their little furnace is she has the glove and stuff wrapped up and say, "See, we burned him." And but the sort of the home base of all of his like paraphernalia is that house. And yeah, it does show up in all of the other entries and the franchise in one way or another. I've watched enough ghost movies to know that <laughs> something bad happens to someone in a place that is their place of residence until things get I'm getting away. the fuck out of there, basically. Time to go. <laughs> I mean, one of the things we say about, like, the Haunted House film is that it's just always just like a metaphor for colonialism, right? It's like <laughs> there are previous residents of the territory. Um, you've moved into their space. You, um, They don't want to leave. Um, and you use sort of Christian, you know, righteousness in order to evacuate them, essentially, you know, um, take their land. Uh, and I think this is true, right? This is like Freddy's territory, um, and he's he's not wanting to to give up that space. And in this film, Jesse's body becomes his territory, which is really interesting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I, I gotta ask. You got to go on tour with Mark Patton. Mm. Um, just you have any fun experiences you want to share? Or neat little stories, mm. uh, things that you experienced. Um, gosh, you know, I, Mark's a really um, funny guy, and um, I saw an early cut of this film before they talked to Jay Chaskin, and so we didn't have that sort of end confrontation thing, and what I appreciate about the documentary is that Mark confronts uh, David, he kind of gets his kind of apology, uh, but then the, the thing that I like about it, and this is very true of Mark, is where he goes, you know, I thought about it, and... Um, I put a lot on David, you know, like David didn't create homophobia in Hollywood. He didn't create um, AIDS paranoia. And like, I put all of this stuff onto him and I have to realize that he's not the reason, you know, that all these terrible things happen to me. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's something very, I think, freeing, right? Is to like, think about. Think about that. Think about forgiveness that way, right? It's just like, oh, God, you become this, like, repository of everything bad that happened to me, but it's not really you. And, you know, I have to sort of acknowledge that. I thought that was a really powerful thing for the documentary. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that documentary is very powerful. I mean, you are just completely heartless if you don't feel things. Mm -hmm. When you watch it, there's so many things to feel and experience. And I was so excited uh, when they put it on Shutter because I had heard about it and I wanted to see it. And I've watched it probably four times. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's fantastic. 
Well, um, we, we won the, the Dorian Award for Best Documentary. We're up for the GLAAD Award um, for Best Doc, which I'm really nice. happy about. Congratulations. Um, yeah, but I think it's a big question just about, like, activism and anger. Like, what do you do with anger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can either let it eat away at you or you can turn it into something productive. I, th- I think that's one of the really kind of, like, very relevant things about the documentary for me. Yeah, and I love seeing um, him going to events and mm-hmm. you know using his voice and and taking you know like you said sort of the anger and you know sort of like turning it into a celebration of you know he he lives free he lives open and mm-hmm. he's out there to help others in the community and recognizes that he has a voice and he uses that voice for good. Yeah. And, um, you know, helps out other charities. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. remarkable. And, it, and it's also just like a really good metaphor for the film, right? Because it's a homophobic yeah. film. There's no two ways around it. Um, I remember when I saw this film, I think I saw it the same year I saw Police Academy. And those are the two films I remember I saw a gay bar. And I knew very mm-hmm. much these are not places you want to be. And yet at the same time, I was like, holy shit, these places exist, right? Before that, I didn't even really know that. And so it's like, how do you take something that's homophobic and make it useful to you, right? Like, how do you derive pleasure out of something maybe it wasn't in, intended for you or even antagonistic towards you? Like, that's a powerful thing, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's a beautiful point. Um, Mac? Watching the documentary, something really, like, hit home when um, Mark was talking about he knew he was gay at an early age and, you know, his father really didn't understand, but his father didn't let no one mm. mess with him. And... Mm. It's good to see now later on in his life that, yeah, he's been through so much, but like you said, he's able to take that anger, hurt, or whatever negative and, you know, put it out for a positive to the mm-hmm. universe and go forward with your life. And now he's back at cons and mm-hmm. doing all these great things and letting his light shine, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we've come a long way uh, with LGBTQ um, things. I just remember, you know, my brothers, they're four years younger than me. I'm 41. So, uh, you know, it's just, I remember us being kids in the 80s. And like I said, we, we would play dress up in my mom's dresses and do makeup and, you know, all, the, all that stuff. And I never thought anything about it. I never thought, it was just accepted as normal to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, later on with my issues, uh, you know, I just thought that, was, that everybody was like that. And then when I found out people weren't, it was kind of weird. But, mm-hmm. um it's just uh you know when they came out as gay they waited till uh, they graduated high school because there was a lot of homophobia you know still you know this was late 90s and then they when they graduated that's when they came out but it was not i was not surprised but it never really it never really thought too much about it it was just sort Mm. of like they're gay okay whatever you know and Mm -hmm. then just recognizing you know later on like what my you know i'm asexual i'm on the asexual Mm -hmm. spectrum you know and and that puts me in the community. And so, you know, luckily we had my mom, you know, who didn't necessarily understand asexuality, who didn't necessarily understand being gay, but she would defend us no matter fucking what, uh-huh. you know, and our decisions and, and, and what we, you know, went through. And just we've come a long way, but there's a lot, lot more to go. And yeah. I just like to see these big congregations of people who think these things and, and, and who feel these things and, and this is their experience and they're sharing it and celebrating, you know, all the good things about it and, and themselves being free. And I just mm-hmm. saw, you know, the documentary and also this movie in a way because it's become so iconic in that community. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like that it's being celebrated now. Mm-hmm. I like that it's out there and 
people are happy and can talk about it and they're not ashamed to say anything about it. Mm-hmm. They're not ashamed to be who they are. It's, it helped a lot of people and there's a lot of testimonials of people who said, yeah, this movie made me realize I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I, I am gay. I can identify a little bit with Jesse. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so it's, it's everything has a purpose. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so much more important than you think that it is. And, right. and to hear all the hate for that the film got for so many years, I'm just so glad that that it's come a long way because mm-hmm. we've come a long way as people, as yeah. society. I remember, like coming out in the '90s was was a different, just a totally different experience. I I distinctly remember, like I I knew what AIDS was before I knew what gay was. And the only way I understood what gay was was that it was somebody who had AIDS, right? And so my whole experience, like even thinking about coming out, was like, wow, the first time I'm gonna have sex, I'm gonna have AIDS. You know what I mean? Um, and and they were just sort of synonymous in my mind. So yeah. it was a very scary time to even think about like these things mm-hmm. if you were if you were closeted. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and because, you know, growing up in the 80s, yeah, I mean, it was gay cancer. You know, mm-hmm. all gay people had AIDS. That's how AIDS spread. Right. Um, and then we had Ryan White here from Indiana, mm-hmm. and it, he got from blood transfusion. And then right. it was kind of like it kind of changed things up a little bit, maybe opened mm-hmm. people up. Like, hey, it's not just – and then street people are coming up with it. You know, it's right. like, okay, so we can stop hey, Magic you know, Johnson. gay right. people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have something to say, Dave? Well, we uh, we moved on a little bit past it, but it's okay. Uh, you, go back. you have to forgive. You have to forgive me. What my thoughts are, uh, if I get them out of order. But so when I discovered horror, it was way before the internet. I'm a little older than you all, as you know, and I always thought it was like my little dark secret. Like, why do I? Why am I attracted to this this stuff? This dark stuff. And then with the advent of the internet, I started to realize that there was a community out there. And then more recently, specifically through this podcast, I've realized that. Um, the horror community is the most accepting community uh, mm-hmm. uh, that I've experienced personally. Yes. I mean, I was always an outcast. I was a little bit weird. I never fit in. I was, you know, in school, in grade school, and through high school. I never fit in. I was always alone. And I had this little secret. I love, you know, Night of the Living Dead. I love Night of the Living Dead. I love, you know, this shit. And I thought there was something wrong with me. And uh, so I discovered this community with the advent of the Internet, and especially going to cons, Dragon Con and Comic Con. And there's this beautiful community of people who are so accepting of everyone who's different, for however you're different, whatever reason, whether you're just, whether, whether whatever your your difference is, it's so accepting. It was like when we talked about Rocky Horror a few weeks ago. <laughs> I remember the first time going to a Rocky Horror midnight show, thinking, "Wow, these people are accepting of all of us. You know, we're all different, and we're all here together, having a good time." And I just, I just love this community so much for that. It's given me so much. Yeah, I, I know my thoughts are a little scattered, but yeah. no, I mean, like we jump all over the place. That's why I usually scribbling while we talk. But you know, it's a beautiful point. I mean, I really like that. This is something that I wanted to come around to in this conversation because it's so important that we talk about this. You know, yeah, we we're in it for the gore, we're in it for you know all these other typical horror things, but there's so much more beyond that. There's a community and there's sub communities of the community and it's just all one big party of people <laughs> that that love the same things. Mm. You know, we all love horror and you know, even you know, you're not an outcast because you're with a group of outcasts. So you know, you're part of this whole thing and it's great. It's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> and and just doing this podcast, you know, I've met some of the the best people I've ever met in my life. That's you. 
neither is in my family. You I'm know? gonna play my after school special music. We keep having after school special <laughs> episodes, but that's okay. The more you know. Where's Scott Bale? <laughs> Yo, I'm a fan of after school specials. I say this every time we bring that that up, man. No, no, no. Uh, we got to take it back to G.I. Joe. And knowing <laughs> is half the battle. G.I. Joe! <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of nostalgia here. <laughs> but, yeah, I just... Uh, my mom, I told her, you know, we're, we're doing this film, and she's like, I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> my mom is like, and this is my mom who's super accepting, uh, you know, a queer daughter and gay sons, and you know, but she hates this fucking movie because she's so loyal to the formula of, of Freddie. And I'm just like, Mom, you need to open up your mind, but she's just at that age where no, no new information may enter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Getting old on me. Um, Rob? I just wanted to ask real quick, what did everybody think of uh, the score of the film? Because uh, um, Larry Miller made a, a, a absolute fantastic score for the first film. And uh, while that, you know, the theme, you know, the, the, the recognizable Nightmare on Elm Street theme, uh, that's not used at all in this mm-hmm. film. Uh, the, the score was done by Christopher Young, who, of course... Um, Went on to do Hellraiser and mm. A Fly 2, which is my favorite score to, of his, and, and a bunch of other beautiful scores. And uh, that that was one of the reasons why I hated the film when I first saw it, because it doesn't have that recognizable for, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street theme. But as, as I've come along, I've come to love the score as as well, you know. And I just wanted to know how did everybody feel about that, you know, the, the different score from, you know, the rest of the franchise. I think it, it suits it. I'm sorry, I'm just going to jump in. I think it suits it because I really feel like it's part of the extended universe, not necessarily a direct sequel. So I, I like it because it fits that film. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, right. It, it, but at first, yeah, it's a little off-putting because you were expecting your typical Elm Street, you know, little chime thing. Right. Um, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, but it, it suits it, like I said, because this is this doesn't feel like a direct sequel. It feels like its own thing, like inspired by the events of you know whatever. So. Right. Yeah. But I, 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 no, go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. Well, I personally can't think when watching this film, like any any part of the score stood out to me. Hmm. You know, it was like like I know it was there, but it's like none of it's really memorable mm-hmm. to me. Like. When when I hear when I watch the other, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street films, and and that music comes on, uh, you know, the the Freddy right. music, um, it stands out to me. It's like watching Halloween, you know, when when you hear that that the the music from from the Halloween theme, like that stands out to me. But there was nothing really about the score in this that really stood out, except for the song that plays when he's you know dancing in the bedroom. That's so good song. <laughs> I I particularly like the score that plays throughout the. I know we've been talking shit about the the parakeet scene. <laughs> I I love I love the score during that scene. Like you know it's got the string that like it sounds like a real old school like tension kind of music that you would see in like an old school movie. You know, uh, they actually use that during a, I know it's the film that uh, is one of the films that's derided amongst the nightmare movies. Freddy's dead, but they actually use that 
portion of the score <laughs> during the trailer for that. And uh, yeah, and uh, I, I I love that piece, you know. And I love Christopher Young as a composer. I think he's fantastic. Like his his score for The Fly too is I think is just absolutely phenomenal. It's it's something I listen to like in a personal like I'm riding around and stuff. I listen to uh, Christopher Young music. I know that makes me weird and shit, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this here isn't fucking weird. Right. right, right. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That was I mean, poor choice of words. I'm sorry. I can kick back to like some Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Oh yeah, no Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I I listen to Hans Zimmer's score for Man of Steel all the time. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, check how everybody felt about that because I know that's that's a sticking point. Like it doesn't have the music from the other. Uh, from the first one, it doesn't have the Freddy theme. It does its own thing, and I was like, "Well, this movie does its own thing, so it kind of it's kind of mm-hmm. fitting, you know." Right, yeah. right. Mac. So I have like a love affair for scores, and I think this probably comes from off-topic, but anime. Like I understand music can set the mood, play on the heartstrings, play on emotions. I'm a guy was very empathetic so i catch myself crying sometimes because of scores because it's hitting that it's hitting that note and you know yeah this movie didn't have the typical freddie music like that uh but the score it did had set me for what i needed it to set me for as i was watching the movie so i, I thought the score was all right okay yeah i'm not a score person i'm more of a soundtrack person mm-hmm. so yeah it's more like you know specific songs like if there was like banana rama or some shit <laughs> during the time, um i would have been like yeah that's my jam or whatever you know like, like banana rama <laughs> you know, like, like uh like yeah the score is there and it's like it it plays into it but i never pay super attention to it because it all adds up to one concoction which is you know the scene the the, the film so if it works i don't really i'm not really super paying attention to it like but i'll buy a soundtrack you know like Trent Reznor does amazing soundtracks, by the way, mm-hmm. but um, for films. But or, or Quentin Tarantino does some amazing soundtracks, you know, because like those are just like some jams, I know. But um, yeah, I've never really paid too much attention to the scores. So you know, I'll know like the like the tubular bells from fucking um, The Exorcist or something like yeah. that. But yeah, you know, otherwise I don't I don't I really know scores. or pay attention. Uh, the chant from the Omen, the the, the uh, chant. Mm, that, yeah, that's one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I, as much as of a music lover that I am, it's surprising, I guess, but it's more of like I'm just waiting for the jams soundtrack. <laughs> um, yeah, so at this point, we'll go ahead and start our reviews. Mm. I am, I usually go first, so I'm going to go first, because um, I just like to do that. My, <laughs> my review, out of 10... Giving this eight out of ten bites on the leg. <laughs> I mean, he was vicious with that fucking bite. Like that was some girl fight stuff. Um, it really was. This girl's fight. I mean, like we fight dirty. Yeah. He bit her on the yeah. fucking leg. I was like, what a dick. Um, so yeah, eight out of ten bites on like I did have to dock one point for the parakeet unnecessary scene, and I um. I, I just like the other point is just more of like um I feel like um it's hard to explain like I don't know I just like I said I keep saying it so I don't want to say it again but it just feels like it's it shouldn't be Freddie's 
Revenge, like, you know, part two. It should just be Brady's Revenge over here. Like, be its own thing. <laughs> so I talked to him for that. But yeah, eight out of ten. Um, I, I, I went into this not expecting people to rate it very high. I thought I might be the highest rating. But after our discussion, um, I'm probably not going to be the highest rater. Um, but yeah, eight out of ten bites out of the leg. So, um, you. So... I'm going to follow suit and I'm going to go eight out of 10 uh, boiling swimming pools. <laughs> like I said, this movie is, is super nostalgic for me. Um, it takes me back to um, time spent with my dad um, watching these movies. Um, I didn't get the uh, undertones when I was younger. Uh, it wasn't until much later that I saw it and it didn't change a thing for me. Um, I, I still love this movie, and, you know, like we said, the, the special effects, you know, it definitely could have done more, but for what it's worth and for what they did, I thought it was, you know, they did a really good job, um, especially, you know, like the chest cavity scene is just, you know, mm-hmm. so epic for me. Love it. Uh, especially, you know, the 10-year-old me. Um, <laughs> but they changed... Kevin Yeager, you know, was the the makeups uh, makeup effect guy, and he didn't have any of the uh, uh, photos or anything from the original, mm. so he had to redo it all by just rewatching the film, mm. and he kind of based it off of like burn, you know, mm. burn victims and things like that. So you can see a stark difference in Robert England. You know, he's gooier and and he's and he's much more sinister in Mm. this, um, which is cool, which which I did like, you know, it was was a a vastly different take, especially if you watch this after you've watched, you know, three, four, five, you know, and gone down the line, you come back and watch it and it's kind of like jarring almost like, Mm -hmm. you know, holy shit. But uh, you know, love this film. Um, the yeah, the parakeet scene was kind of <laughs> that was for the point off. I'm sorry. In, in the pool scene in general, because I could, I would have definitely loved to have seen more of a hack and slash. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there were a lot of yuppie kids I would have liked to have seen. Get. <laughs> that could have been a goddamn massacre. More than more than just the more than just the kid that got thrown onto the grill. You know, <laughs> yeah. got stepped on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. God. That's well, you had that one cool. kid's like, hey, man, it's cool. And he's yeah. fucking, right. yeah, it's, yeah. it's not cool. Rob. <laughs> I'm going to give this nine out of ten leather comforters. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like I said, um, I, I did not enjoy this when I first saw it. I, I did not appreciate it. Um, like, yeah, all the subtext went over my head as well. I, I didn't, I didn't see it at all. I did think it was weird though that uh, he went to the, you know, to, to the bar. And, you know, it's like, why would he go there? Like, you know, like, you know, I'm a kid. I, I'm a kid. I don't know better. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, um, but like it's I said, okay, Rob, as, I, I still think that now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? But also, me, also bugs me out is like, why does Schneider think he has any control over Jesse outside of the school? Like, you know, like yeah. this guy's a schmuck. You know, what I'm saying like, yeah, he deserves to die. Like, like Grady said, Schneider's always got to stick up his ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But like, like, like I said, as the years went on, like I grew to appreciate it more to where it's become my one of my very you know favorites of the franchise. I I, I dock a whole point. You know, I, I mean, I don't see anything wrong. Like, the, the explosion of the parakeet is like, oh, come on. But, like, dude, the whole sequence is fine. You know, what I ducked the point for was uh, the, the conclusion. Like, uh, uh, Andrew was saying that, you know, all it takes is the love of a woman, you know, to... To, to cure him of cure him yeah, cure yeah, yeah like yeah yeah like he needs to be like he needs to be cured like get the fuck out of here you know uh like through conversion therapy it doesn't work let me tell you yeah yeah it's, it's, it's disgusting it's, yeah it's a whole it's a whole it's a whole, whole bunch of bullshit and uh I, I, yeah that's why i'm docking the whole point for that because that's just bullshit yeah. you know but uh, other than that like yeah i love you know i love freddie when he's darker that's why you know this one and the first one are my favorites. Also, part seven. Um, I love I love Freddy when he's dark and he's just you know malicious. Uh, it's the that's where I find my love for Freddy like just you know it's contained you know because I started with the first one and I worked my way through the series so that's where my bias lies with dark and sinister Freddy mm-hmm. rather than you know pun heavy Freddy mm-hmm. and. Uh, like th- this was the one right before he went into like you know joke heavy Freddy you know what I'm saying like yeah I, I, was the I, one that gave birth to that yeah, it did it just right after that it was too much yeah mm-hmm. yeah like you know as much as I love four like you know that's the one they call the MTV one uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I love I love four a lot because I love it for you know like I said like I discussed before like the outsider theme you know when Alice is, is you know was a, a perfect. Um, example of that because she's it's like she's in the mix of popular friends but she's an outsider amongst them mm. you know and it's it's her grief that powers her I mean but I'll save that for that discussion yeah we have a discussion coming up in a couple of days we'll just save that yeah, 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 yeah. let me shut up about that <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah uh, 9 out of 10 leather comforters I love this movie um, I watch it all the time I didn't. I didn't even rewatch it for the purposes of this discussion <laughs> because I've seen it enough that I could go off of it from memory because I love it so much. So yeah, nine out of ten for me. Very Sweet. good, um, Matt. I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna go ten out of ten. Uh, dumb partying kids thinking <laughs> that parents ain't gonna hear no music. And I use what I'm going to say is if you would ask me a few years ago, I might have given this like a seven. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But um, knowing a little bit more and actually seeing the doc, like it showed me what the mind game was in the movie. And mm-hmm. I've always said it. I know I've said it mad times on episodes. I love movies that plays with my brain. Mm-hmm. That's why like Mission Impossible, the first one is my favorite because it plays with your brain. If it. If you can make me think in a movie, you're going to get a 10 out of it because mm. you're making me do what most people be like. I ain't going to a movie to think. I want to see some <laughs> die, blow up, something, this, that, and a third. Nah, <laughs> I want you to give me something. I, I I think every day for work, I do what I got to do. But when I'm relaxing and you can make me go, hmm? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Erica. I think I am going to go with 8.5 out of 10 Mother Daddy Gym Teachers. Do have to dock some, uh, you know, a little bit for some of the cheesier scenes. We all hate the parakeet shit. Um, 
and like some of the the barbecue stuff was ridiculous mm-hmm. um but yeah this is like a really fun movie great practical effects um i think it was definitely a very underrated entry in the franchise for a long time and i'm glad it's getting uh you know the attention and you know more of the respect that it deserves mm-hmm. definitely nice um dave yeah i'm gonna have to go with nine out of ten exploding parakeets because i have to tell you I, am i the only person i love that scene that, that scene and, and, the, and the flaming toaster right? and the um and the um the thermostat that's the house i grew up in my sister a little bit older who i've mentioned on this podcast she was not the the child that my parents wanted she was different she did her own shit and they just wanted her why can't you just be like everybody else why can't you be like, and that and the, so those scenes took me back to that time in my life when my parents just wondering why can't my sister you know the parakeet explodes and what the dad's like you did that with an m80 or the, uh, the the toaster is on fire and it's not even plugged in he's like well that's that's unusual you know it's like he's to- in total denial of what's going on around me. and i that really struck me because that's the fucking household i grew up in with them my parents trying to figure out why my older sister couldn't be like their friend's daughter and, and, and so I love the exploding parakeet. It made me laugh. It was terrible effect. It was just like they took, you know, a stuffed parakeet and put some kerosene on it. It was great on a string. Um, nine out of ten exploding parakeets. This movie made me think. Um, I need to watch it for a second time because it's going to be a totally different experience after watching uh, Scream Queen, the documentary. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, Andrew. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if I had been asked about this like five years ago, I would have said like three out of ten because I always considered it this deeply homophobic film, you know, that that um, that was really like a bad object. And now seeing fans and talking to Mark Patton and kind of experiencing the documentary and, and seeing how like fans have used this film, whether or not it was intended for them or not, um, it's, it's really kind of got an interesting place for me. Um, and also kind of thinking about how it, it actually does fit into the the Freddy franchise in a lot of ways, where if the franchise is about like the danger of going to sleep and being vulnerable, like this film is about like well, what happens when you let down your guard, right? What, what are you going to find in your subconscious if you stop repressing all the time? So um, yeah, so I give it a eight out of ten uh, butts bumping drawers. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say I intentionally didn't choose Pop Gun because I thought Ooh. you guys and now I'm pissed because nobody used it. Hey, you're, you're the Redo editor, yours. Redo yours. You're, you're yeah. the editor. Hold on. Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, Sean. Eight out of ten pop guns. Yeah. Yes. And I'll just snip that and edit that in. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> just one more thing for me to do. How about that? Uh, I'd like to say something uh, about what Andrew said. Um, to take something that was intentionally homophobic and to turn it into a powerful thing that is a positive, you know, for, you know, a homosexual you know, community. I think that's that's like really like a the major fuck you. Like ha. Instead of taking this like as a hit and, and making me hurt, it's going to make me stronger. And I'm going to find it, you know, just turn it on its head. And uh yeah, that's 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 a fucking awesome thing. Yeah. So yeah, that's just how I feel about it. Um, you know, just just to go like again, like if you would ask me maybe ten years ago, I would have told you like fuck this movie. 
<laughs> I was trained to hate this movie. Mm. But like with Halloween three, I'm like, I never really completely hated it though. So I got to explore my feelings, like how did I really feel about this? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a movie that does make you think and you know, it's a neat entry into the the uh Freddy universe and I'm glad it's a part of it. And I'm glad that it has the place that it has in horror and, and subgenres of horror. You know, it's it's just a really important film, actually. So it was being completely hated. I ain't got no gloves. So iconic. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. No. Um, wow. <laughs> me and Erica, me and Erica, we're gonna you... do our glove off. Live on Monday, you guys are gonna do glove off live. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, we're definitely gonna do the glove off live. We're doing it. People rate you. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna be watching from Lodge then, and, and I'm going for you, Erica. I got you. <laughs> Erica's already got a vote. I was just ultimate judge. No, I'm kidding. Because I'm I'm the most hardcore Freddy fan. Um. Freddy is my favorite, favorite, favorite. So I unfortunately don't own a glove, so that's weird. But I have everything else ready. So yeah. My um, wife does. I didn't want to go find it though. <laughs> I didn't know she was a Freddy fan. That's cool. She, she um, is. He, he's my favorite uh, of the slasher of the the big three. Um, I just thought he's. I think he's the scariest mm-hmm. because um, I have like issues with sleep. I always have since I was a child. And uh, I'm vulnerable in my sleep. So you can't even touch me when I sleep because I scream. Or one time, uh, what was the last week I tried to hit you? Yeah. I came out of my sleep when he was waking me up trying to punch him. Um, I I have all these sleep disorders, and you're very vulnerable when you're asleep. So my body tries to protect me, but I have nightmares and things. So Freddy has always been my favorite because he's the scariest in idea to me. Like, that's the scariest fucking thing. Like, you can't go to sleep. You can't let your guard down. Because he can get you in your fucking sleep. And you have to sleep at some point. Yep. It's required, you know, for your body to work. And so, yeah. like, it's just, it, that's a terrifying thing. Instead of this hulking, non-speaking menace that just have creatively kills people. Mm-hmm. He's got personality. He's fucking evil as shit. Like, <laughs> hell yeah, Freddy, all the day. <laughs> and he yeah. enjoys his work. Right. But Jason, yeah. Jason can get on a yacht and go to New York, so... <laughs> <laughs> Bad filmmaking. Or to space. Or go to hell. Yeah, where's our, where's our Freddy in space movie? Mm, oh That'd be crazy. Here. There's, there's a little bit more taste there. Not mm-hmm. much, because they did do Freddy's Dead and, and some other questionable shit. And the other movie, which shall not be named. Um, <laughs> I cannot talk about it. I really can't. I will rage. <laughs> There'll be that an moves. entire episode of me screaming like Sam Kennison. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Kennison, or am I old? No, no, no. We, we, we know Sam Kennison. No, and, and I agree that movie sucks. Thank you. It, it just sucks. I did like it. I don't know anybody who did, and if they did, they're wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> and don't say that you like it, because I will kick your ass. Because you're wrong. Like you heard her. Anyone who likes it is wrong. You're wrong, Sean. <laughs> Well, Nico's not here to defend himself. I know he's he wrong. Well, he's wrong. <laughs> and Nico knows he's wrong, so that's okay. Shout you out know. to Nico, who isn't here, by the way, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Nico. yeah. Nico. All right, it's Rob. It's time for plugs. Who Hold on. I got to shout out uh, to our fans. This is for the house of screens, you know. You guys make it what it is. We're just here <laughs> talking about these. Uh, me and my brother over here, the action drunkie. 
we uh, <laughs> launched our second season of Roadhouse with Yay. Candy. Uh, cool. Such a good show. And I just want to give a shout out to Mike over at Actors Undisputed. What's up, man? And uh, I love all you guys. We love you. Um, who wants to go next? Who would like to plug anything? I will go. All right, um, all right. I'll wait for you. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Mac took all the luster because. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, uh, of course, um, yes, uh, I, I gotta say that, uh, uh, that our second season has premiered with Roe House, which features, um, our, our, our sis, our sis from another miss, uh, Candy, <laughs> uh, the final girl over here, and, uh, I got I got I wanted to tell you before the show, but I might as well do it on air and shit, that blew the fuck up. Oh my god, really? Controversy, oh. you, you set the precedence. Yo, we were, like, we were at, like, what did they say about what I had to say? Cause I said some crazy oh, shit. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Larry, Larry was loving it. La- Larry thought Wait, it was hilarious. Right. La- Larry thought it was hilarious. Uh, uh, our conversation on the sex scene in Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> where I was talking about the underwear. Okay. Yeah. 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 And like, and like how no girl lays like that after, after, after sex. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It work like that. Yeah, but uh, yes, uh, Action Junkies has uh, premiered season two. Uh, it's glorious. Um, more to come. The, of course, shout out to our brother Mike over at Atkins Undisputed. Uh, he will be back shortly. He is on hiatus right now. Uh, shout out to my brother Mike Cook over at Hit Rewind. And uh, yeah, the, um, I don't really have anything else to plug other than you know, my beautiful people. And uh, shout out to Nico, who unfortunately couldn't be with us. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, you are, you are sorely missed here today, brother, and, uh, we can't wait to have you back, uh, on our next discussion. I know definitely he wants to talk about, uh, four and five, cause he has, oh, he I, def- know. I know he'll be here for that. Um, yeah, he definitely has some stories. He People who are listening stories. to this, you get the time travel, um, cause, uh, in a couple of days we're doing our live show, but by the time this episode comes out, the live show has long been passed. Yeah. So, uh, you're time traveling. Get your portal yeah. gun. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm dating the episode horribly right now. By my <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's what we do every week, so you know, I don't think people give a fuck. Really. <laughs> Erica, uh, find me at uh, myhorrificlife.com and on Instagram at myhorrificlife. Um, I want to plug uh, a project that Candy's working on, but I know Candy will have more to say about it. But please support what she's doing. <laughs> Yay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dave? You can find me here and nowhere else. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I love I love you people. I love the horror community. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on. Um, I love I love discovering these movies uh, for the first time or rediscovering them if I hadn't seen yeah. them in a long time. I love talking about them and, and learning new things about them. And so when you go back and watch them, they're different. I think that's a lesson you can learn in life uh, writ large is the more you know about something, the more you can appreciate its nuance and its its differences and don't judge things on first pass and mm-hmm. I'll get off my soapbox now. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's great. Sometimes there's movies I've watched a million times. We talk about it and then I'll watch it and it's different. Yeah, you did that. Well, a lot damage. of them. Yeah, I changed, of- I changed everybody's minds on brain damage. No, well, I, I had never even seen that before. Yeah, that movie—it's totally blew my fucking mind. After no, yeah, yeah, that. yeah, bro. And this that one too. Was I had, like, I had, 
Yeah, mm -hmm. I had a lot of the same feels during this, uh, especially mm -hmm. after watching the documentary, which anybody listening, you need to watch that fucking, watch <laughs> Scream Queen, the documentary. It's on yeah. Shudder. It was it was amazing, and uh, yeah, there was not a not a dry eye in the house over here when I watched it. Yeah, I'm not crying. You're crying. And then right, when you right. watch the movie, so watching it first and then going to the movie, I was like, oh yeah, I got uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely. Sean and Dad. Um, you can. I'm kind of like Dave. Like you can find me here, and and that's about it. Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I don't really post a whole lot of horror stuff. Uh, you can find me at Sean of the Dead. It's mostly cats and skateboarding. Um, that sounds pretty rad to me. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's all I <laughs> got for life. you. Skateboarding cats, give me. Yeah, got it. our cats are assholes. They won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. Uh, Andrew, where can we find you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my website is uh, adscahill.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Andrew Scahill. Um, and plugs, I mean, thanks to everybody who's supported uh, Scream Queen. I'm, I'm really glad uh, that it's reached such a wide audience and, and moved out of what could have potentially been a real niche film, you know? Um, plugs, I plug my book, uh, The Revolting Child in Horror Cinema, uh, Queer Spectatorship and Youth Rebellion. And then uh, my latest publication just came out, just got the book today. This is a first retrospective on the career of John Hughes, uh, academic retrospective, and I my piece is on weird science. So uh, that's oh, awesome. for checking out. Yeah, um, put me links for those on Twitter, and I will yeah. post them when I post the episode. Okay. Great. Nice, nice, because I, be, I, I will be uh, on a podcast talking about weird science soon. Uh, I love so, that. So, yeah, yeah. When, the, when, the, when they're wearing the jocks on their heads. And yeah. <laughs> That scene Iconic. makes me cry so much. Absolutely. I just wanted to shout out Andrew for <laughs> appearing on the show. The, we, we greatly appreciate it. Also, shout out to you for that beautiful Night of the Living Dead post that you have behind that, you. That is the cover of my book. Uh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So, we're, we're going to go away. Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, that when they were making the cover for my book, um, they had this really generic cover, and I was like, I really want to use a film image, and everything is so expensive to put on mm -hmm. book covers. I didn't realize this when I was writing. Um, but this is in the public domain. So yes. that's why it's it had, very iconic. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. And it's like one of the best evil children images, you know. So I was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I've, got to, I've got to plug my tattoo. <laughs> I've got the tattoo. Oh, we, we can't see you, but we can see yeah. your 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 icon is your tattoo of her. Nice, love it. So yeah, he, we're we're big Nay Living Dead fans oh, here. Yeah. I'm oh, a yes. Romero fan in general, so we all appreciate that. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. I really would like to read that book. Yeah, um, absolutely. We're big readers, uh, you know. I know a lot of us uh, here are. So. Yeah, they are, but I'll read it. I read <laughs> <laughs> Eric and I are constantly like, oh, you should read this book. You should read this book. Yeah. And we're like, oh, my God, that's a great book. So yeah. definitely um, giving us some more stuff to read. So we like yeah, that. For sure. Okay, good. Definitely appreciate you being on here. Yeah, thank you yeah, so much. Thanks for coming out, man. a lot of yeah, insight. Yeah. And yeah. maybe you'd like to come back and join us again. I would love that. Uh, yeah, just, yeah uh, absolutely. And you can come talk academically about horror with us. We're not always academic, though. We're sometimes obviously fucking weird. If especially if you listen to our episode on Chud that that just came out yesterday, like we don't even we stop maybe thirty minutes in to start talking about like 
<laughs> sex and not yeah. like cool sex stuff, like weird sex stuff. And yeah, you know, we have, dicks always come up. We talked about dicks. I'm actually as it as it came up. You know what oh, I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't come up yet. Uh, <laughs> I guess that falls to me. I'll plug myself. Um, this is what I usually do. <laughs> ah, that was a joke. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, um, I run our Twitter, which is at house underscore screams. And you are interacting with me because I'm one with the free time to be on social media all day. Because um, <laughs> I'm dealing with this like spinal bullshit I don't want to talk about anymore right now. But yeah, uh, so I have a lot of free time um, that I try to keep busy with. So uh, we've got almost 3,000 followers on our Twitter. Um, but yeah, when you are interacting with that, you are interacting with me. I don't even get on my own account anymore. That's <laughs> <laughs> just that one. And you can find me with uh, my mixture of horror and makeup on um, Instagram at Candy the Final Girl. Also, um, I'm working on a project that Erica kind of hinted at. Um, it's just a, it's mixing my love of beauty and skincare with horrors. And it's so it's a horror themed makeup company. My first palette is out. It's called the Final Girl Collection. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the names of the colors are all after famous final girls like Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street and Jenny from Friday 13th Part 2. Like, so, mm-hmm. And all those. Um, it's just an eight, uh, eight color palette, but it's very luxury. So it's, it's a little pricey, but just know that you're paying for like top quality shit. My second palette is uh, kind of more like middle of the road. Um, it's still ethical, um, but uh, in, it's going to be a lower price. And it's the Scream Queen collection. Jesse is in the Scream Queen collection, our only male in the Scream Queen collection. Excellent. And I have a nice blue for him. So, um, yeah, we have a donation up the GoFundMe um, to help us get more products into um, that. The Etsy shop is uh, Final Girl Cosmetics US. Um, and so you can get that palette. We have the colors coming out, all kinds of things. So I'm really excited about that project because it's two things I love just tremendously. So anything you can do to help out or if you want to buy it, just you know, get on there or you can contact me and I will help you. So those are by me on Twitter and uh, Instagram. That's where I basically live. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I've got to say. And shout out to all of the people who've been guests. Thank you so much again, Andrew. Love to have you back. We'll talk about that um later and uh like on Twitter. And uh everybody else, I love you. Thank you for being here tonight. And I'm really looking forward to our live show extravaganza that will be in the past when people hear this, but I don't really care. They can feel like time travelers. It's really awesome. How often do you get that? <laughs> All right, I think we're good. We're good. So everybody awesome. take care, and I will see the rest of you Monday live. <laughs> I'll be there. Love off, and I'll bring out my all my Freddy shit <laughs> in <my> room. <laughs> uh, really good meeting you all. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really good meeting you. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Great night. Good night, good night love everybody. You love you. Love you all.